0: And welcome back to the Kowski cast I'm Mary Kukowski And I'm Hannah Elam Now apparently this is a podcast That has decided to cover horror shows As well as teen dramas So we're gonna continue on with spooky season And now we're talking about The Haunting
1: of Bly Manor For those of you who may not know This is the second Netflix series created by Mike Flanagan And it's completely separate But it is similar to The Haunting of Hill House If that makes sense We think at least Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a new story with new characters, some of the same familiar faces, but we're getting them in a completely different country this time.
0: Mm-hmm. Which was something that if you listen to our preseason prediction show, you will note we, I think Hannah was the one who said that she heard some accents and yep, got a got a nice English countryside to talk about here. So today we're going to be diving in to the lake with the first episode in the series, The Great Good Place. We just wrapped up Haunting of Hill House. All the podcast episodes may not be out yet, but they're coming. We already finished watching that. But since this is more of an anthology in the same sort of style rather than a direct sequel or season two or anything like that, although I'm still thinking of it as like The Haunting of Hill House season two, but The Haunting of Bly Manor is a different story. And so I think it's going to be fine to just release these simultaneously, which is what we're going to be doing. Hannah, overall, broad strokes, what do we know about The Haunting
1: of Bly Manor? What we know about Bly Manor is that it is based off of the story. The Turn of the Shrew, which is by Henry James. Now, I have not read that book, but I assume that it has something to do with dolls, because that's what it seems like we're getting at. And I would also assume that there is a Lady of the Lake in that story. Okay, The Turn of the
0: Screw. This feels like the Riverdale podcast. We're now like, oh, let me Google <laughs> what it's based off of. The Turn of the Screw is a 1898 horror novella by Henry James. I don't know anything about it. Plot. Oh, it's a long plot. Uh, christmas Eve narrator. Okay, unnamed narrator. Read a manuscript written by former governess. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't want to read any more of this. I feel like I'm gonna get spoilers. (laughs) But so far, just by scanning it, I'm seeing the names Flora and Miles and Lake. So yeah, I'm just gonna stop. Mrs. Jessel. I feel like this is probably more of a adaptation than The Haunting of Hill House was, which was very different than the book.
1: Yeah, I only got about halfway through The Haunting of Hill House book, and it didn't seem that connected as far as the characters or the storyline. So I'm glad that we didn't really look too much into this because we may have spoilers on what happens in the show.
0: Yeah. But I mean I've
1: definitely heard of the novel. The turn of the shrew? Screw. Screw. Oh my gosh.
0: The taming of the shrew is a different thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that has a movie uh based off of it called Ten Things I Hate About You, which is a great film if you're yeah, looking so at good. something that is not a horror film.
0: Yes. Heath Ledger singing. Perfect. <laughs> yes. It's what you want. Why can't we cover that instead? (laughs) I guess at the end of this podcast, we can talk about some of the main things that are similar between this show and The Haunting of Hill House, but going into it, based on the first episode, I actually feel like this is even more different than I was expecting it to be. I'm not really sure why, but we can talk about, I think it's going to be kind of hard to watch this and not compare the two, even though it's a completely different story. But just looking at it, it does feel similar in terms of the, like, coloring style, if that makes sense. Like just aesthetically, it looks similar. Also, the music is they have some new music, but they also include all the same songs. So I'm still getting that like Game of Thrones Twilight feel with the music. There's elements of that that go into this. But I will say like just straight up first, I was a little underwhelmed by this episode. I feel like the first episode of Haunting of Hill House intrigued and scared me more than this has in either way.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that this is not as scary straight off. We definitely still have some strange happenings, some possible ghosts that are going on, but with this story, I think for me, I did try to find a lot of different connections, even if they were maybe stretched a little bit between this and Haunting of Hill House. And the only other series that I know that does completely new takes on things through each season is American Horror Story. And with that, they start over with a completely different story, even though a lot of the actors are same. And I know that down the line, they have had some of the characters come back or people playing multiple characters at once. But American Horror Story, it's a lot harder to make those connections. But here, it definitely seems like there are some similarities. I agree that it's not as initially scary and and draw you in. The show is still leaning on those tension building aspects instead of it being a straight jump scare and you're always terrified at every moment. And so I am really curious to see as the story progresses, if we get a little bit more creepy and and progress into it a little bit more, or if, if the hauntings are maybe just more tame overall in this series.
0: Well, based on the trailer, I definitely think there's a lot of stuff I'm looking forward to seeing and expecting to see that I thought were kind of more on that same sort of creepy, scary line. I think there's a couple things that I'm always going to, I'm one episode in, so I don't I'm not trying to make broad strokes, like maybe I'll change my mind. The thing that drew me in from watching The Haunting of Hill House as a person who doesn't like scary things, but watched it, and with one episode, I wanted to know everything about how the story was going. I think a lot of that has to do with the way they told the story. They give you in the first episode, not necessarily the ending but they gave you the ending of what what ended up being the ending of an episode way you know later on into the series they gave you a a start and then an end point and you wanted to figure out how we got there and so the next several episodes we're going to tell that story i wanted to know the secrets i wanted to know the mystery straight up i wanted to figure out what was happening with the characters i loved their storytelling of going back and forth between the past and the present And I don't think we're going to get that here, which in some ways is going to be a lot easier to podcast about with a more straightforward story. But in other ways, I think that it just has a little bit less intrigue for me as a person who really likes mystery and likes those storytelling elements. That being said, I'm really happy with the cast choices that they made to bring over from one to another. There was actually another one in this episode that I didn't realize was going to be there that I don't think we talked about in the preseason. But Olivia, the mom, shows up and is the narrator. I didn't yeah. realize was going to happen. So, do you want to start there with the the narration at the beginning?
1: Yeah. So, I just to go back a little bit. I felt like there were a lot of aspects in this first episode that we did see from the trailer, or I felt like we were given a lot in the trailer that is from this first episode, which I think is pretty typical because you don't want to give too much away. So, I'm kind of curious to see what the other aspects of the show are going to be. But this season, as you mentioned, we're getting seemingly more of a straightforward timeline. At the beginning, we start at re- a rehearsal dinner. I did. Watched the episode two times, which you would have known if you follow Mary on Twitter. <laughs> Something that I caught the second time around is potentially the speech giver is Owen, who we see earlier, although I don't know if these characters are actually connected or not. So maybe we'll find out more about that later. And as Mary mentioned, we see Carla Gagino. I did look up how to pronounce her name, I watched a video <laughs> of her saying it. And so she plays an older woman this time, and she's telling a ghost story at the rehearsal dinner of a wedding that. Is is happening in California in 2007. So it's kind of interesting because we actually get for sure years this time. I don't think we got those. We just got now and then in The Haunting of Hill House. And so I have a, a lot of questions about this wedding. Like what is with this wedding? Uh, you know, we know the actress who's playing the woman who's telling the story, but who is she? Why is she at this wedding? And maybe we'll get more than one story. Maybe there'll be different aspects because everyone's gathered around telling stories. I don't know. What did you think think when we had this introduction. So the one thing that I noticed
0: in the trailer that we got some hints at from this episode, but there was more imagery of it in the trailer that we haven't seen yet, is that there's going to be some water in this series. It's going to oh, be a lot sure. of references to water, which I've decided is a thing I'm tracking. And already <laughs> in this first scene, there's a woman, the narrator, in a hotel room who has her sink filled up with water and her bathtub filled up with water.
1: So I'm just, boom, tracking it. It's in there. Did you also notice in the bathroom, there's a painting of ocean waves I caught that the second time i look watched at, it as well look at all the water so much water yeah lots of so, water
0: northern california 2007 there's a woman she starts to tell this ghost story to the people at the wedding we don't know what her connection is but that she was late to the rehearsal dinner that's all yeah. we know also they've decided hey we're gonna put all the same actresses in it but we're just gonna dye their hair all blonde and so
1: look different woohoo well the other thing about uh carla's character is that she's an elderly woman in this episode in this she's an elderly woman in this series and previously with hill house we talked about how young she looks so it's kind of interesting they went the complete opposite route yeah it's interesting it took me a second to recognize her i was like i think that's her but i've got to be
0: wrong and then i looked it up and (laughs) ha ha Figured it out. So the reason she starts telling a ghost story is they're in this, I don't know, some sort of fancy building, and they're talking about how it used to be a convent, and so there's like a ghost of a nun that's there, and people start telling various experiences they had staying in places that were quote unquote haunted. And so she's like, Well, let me tell you this story. Although it's not my story, it's a story about person, and anyway, then she dives into the talking about the teacher. I also wanted to note that whoever was giving the speech at the rehearsal dinner, I did really like their quote when they said to truly love another person is to accept that that the work of loving them is worth the pain of losing them. Which is a little morbid. I counted in the first, I think, six minutes of this episode, they said the word death or die like 12 times. I feel like that's more than people normally say in conversation. Yeah,
1: I would agree. I also think this episode, there were just a lot of repeated phrases, right? The Mm. Flora continually says, perfectly splendid. That's the one that stood out to me the most. Yeah, Danny mentions that she keeps bringing up the word gorgeous. And so I, I think we're just going to get a lot of repeated words in your face. <laughs>
0: well, and as a person who's watching a show trying to make predictions and, and right. track things, you just latch on to repeated elements, whether it be the water or the dolls or the repeated phrases. But so we start this story, which takes place in London in 1987. So 20 years ago, it starts off with a woman from the States. She has a vaguely Southern accent named Dame Danny, sometimes, and she's, sometimes that. Yeah, sometimes she does. <laughs> and she's going to a job interview. Do you want to go ahead and give a little summary there?
1: Yeah, so she's been in England for about six months. She has an interview with Lord Henry Wingrave to be an au pair for his niece and nephew at their manor in Bly. I don't know if Bly is a real place. It may not be. Essex makes more sense. She has this interview and it's very weird, but she actually gets the job when she approaches Henry at a pub after the interview. Danny talks about knowing loss and also wanting to make a difference in children's lives. And it seems like having a classroom of 25 kids was just too much for her, but there may also be something else that made her want to get away from the States. The
0: part that I latched onto here was the fact that she had said that she experienced loss and that seems to be a through line we get here. We actually get our first kind of jump scare of the episode right at the beginning within the first couple scenes before she even goes to the interview, a cab passes and we see a reflection that we're going to see another three to four times, I think, in this episode at least three times, another three times after this. She sees it in her hotel room, in the bathroom, and in the closet. She's going to see this reflection of, and I paused it every time, it looks like a man. Sometimes it's more just sort of a dark figure, and sometimes it looks kind of like a man, but it has glowing, not exactly eyes, it looks like it's wearing almost like aviator goggles that are glowing, like very round glasses or eye covering. I get the feeling that that is in some way related to the person she lost. Just making this guess here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. It's hard to tell why this vision is so paralyzing to her. She is very afraid that she covers all reflective surfaces in her room that she's in when she has the choice. And even when she's in the closet, she tries to cover the mirror when she sees him. And so it's interesting because there's that one scene in the bathroom where she wipes away and then it's gone. So it seems like she does have some control over seeing it or not, but it's definitely something that is going to come up again. Definitely
0: a vision that she's a aware of and yes. has some control over to some <laughs> extent which is something you know you can look at parallels with haunting of hill house there were some people that were showing up in mirrors <laughs> in that show as well it wasn't a particularly frightening image sort of threw me back for the first time i saw it just because it was like three minutes into the episode and i was like oh wow we're already we're already doing jump scares okay but when you compare it to the bent neck lady or whatever else it just wasn't wasn't as uh nerve-wracking to see it so she gets this job like you said overall there were just just a couple things from the beginning that were a little bit off sort of they have this conversation her and Lord Henry Wingrave about what the catch is he's asking her what's the catch you seem too perfect for this job normally it's older people who would take this kind of position of agreeing to work full-time out in the middle of nowhere when you're so young and she was saying what's the catch it seems like a good position yet it's been on the market for six months and no one else has taken it and she asked a couple things such as, why was the boy sent home from boarding school? He must have done something. A couple things that just doesn't exactly get answered. And then the only other bit of character development that I noticed here was that Lord Henry Wingrave seems to have at least somewhat of a drinking issue, just in the fact that he was spiking his tea midday while in an interview was a little bit jarring.
1: Yeah, he definitely has a past that we don't know about, but it also seems like Danny has a past that we don't know about as well. And, you know, maybe that is one of the things where we will have more background info on these characters. But right now, we definitely get the idea that there's something that's gone on that has haunted them. It's also curious to me why he's not capable of caring for the children. It seems like they are under his care, but he is not directly going to care for them. I was under the impression that maybe
0: he was like a businessman or a political figure or something and needed to stay. Like, he, I don't even think he really lives there full time, at least. He seems to be in the city as opposed to being in the countryside. My question is, when she goes to the pub and they're talking and he says, okay, the deal is people are superstitious. No one wants the job because the previous person who had the job died on the property. And so that's a little sketchy. Which kind of doesn't jive with the fact that, like, there's a lot of other adults who work on the property, though. We're going to meet three of them at least in this episode. So there's that. And there's also the idea of, well, why why can't the kids then go somewhere else? That's not the creepy place in the countryside. So I think, yeah, definitely there's some still
1: little bits of this catch that we haven't quite figured out yet. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see more of Henry in the future, but not in this episode. We do see Owen, who's the chef at the manor. He picks up Danny and drives her from London to the manor. Flora, the niece, Miles, the nephew, and Mrs. Hannah Gross, li- the live-in housekeeper, show her around the house when she first gets there. As I said, Flora repeatedly talks about everything being perfectly splendid, except for the classroom. And there's one section of the house, which is the old wing, where the parents used to live, and now no one goes in there anymore. And it's all- covered up. So the house is stunning. Yes. It's really beautiful. It's definitely less creepy than Hill House. Yes. And it's also more well lit. So something we talked about with Hill House is that in the past we see the house in particular being very dark. And even when we have shots at night, it doesn't seem like this house is as dark as it was in Hill House. Yeah. I think the creepiest part for me
0: so far, we've got this old wing where the parents used to live and the grounds themselves are a little eerie. Other than that, the house didn't seem particularly it wasn't like Hill House that had freaking statue, statuary section of creepy statues like in the house. We also got most of Hill House at night and they were also repairing the house, which was something.
1: So what were your thoughts initially on Owen? Owen seems very nice. I like him. I think he's going to be a more a relief character. Like a comic relief or not not exactly comic, comic, but but just like joyful and cheery, right? He brings a lot of joy to the people in the house. And so what you're rolling your eyes a little. So what are your thoughts? Because when I saw him first, I was like, I love this dude. He's
0: nice. He's funny. He's adorable. Perfect. Which to me, I see two outcomes. He's either going to be a love interest type of character or he's going to like turn bad and we're going to see him have... Have a dark side, or be a part of something negative, or both. Maybe he'll be both. And I'm not looking forward. I want him to be this relief character, but I'm not looking forward to the inevitable day when Owen does something that makes me upset. I just see it coming.
1: So you just get worried when you like characters that something really bad is going to happen, especially when there's a horror theme around a show.
0: Yes, it's like I don't know if he's going to get possessed, or if we're going to find out that he has a dark side or something. But so far, he's like my favorite character.
1: I really like Owen. Yeah. So something that's interesting to me is that Owen and Jamie, who is the gardener who we meet the next day, don't stay on the grounds after night. Well, of course Miss Gross, who is the live-in housekeeper, does, although she doesn't eat. So one of yeah, my I predictions that is that she's a ghost and she stays there mm. at night because she's actually a ghost. And the other people are smart enough to not do it. Although I did with Riverdale, my prediction was that Jughead was a ghost and... <laughs> Where that kind of falls down is that like, <laughs> we
0: gotta stop trying to predict Riverdale, it doesn't, it doesn't
1: work. Yeah, <laughs>
0: sometimes it works out, but you know, a lot of times it doesn't. But speaking of my other podcasts, you know who also doesn't eat vampires, so eh, she could be a vampire.
1: Flora mentions that the leeches are like vampire leeches, so I was, I yeah. just there's, I'm like, what all are we gonna see in this series because we really don't know yet, there's so much unknown, and we don't really know what's gonna happen. <sighs> I'm going to be upset if she's just a ghost because then,
0: man, we like you predicted it so fast.
1: Well, but the other thing is she does interact and where I'm buying into it more is that Olivia interacted with a lot of the ghosts at Hill House, so it's definitely possible that they just know she's a ghost.
0: But did did Hannah actually, did she actually touch anyone or anything? Okay, she picked up a plate, so yeah. So she definitely touched off. I don't know. We'll see. I I think here's the thing. If she's a ghost, that's fine. I just, I hope that's not like, I hope they're not banking on it as like the big mid-season reveal. Oh. Oh, Hannah's a ghost. Like, yeah, we're on to you, Hannah. We know. How does it feel to have someone I with your know. name in the show?
1: I was just going to say this. I don't like it. Although, as we know from my <laughs> like Instagram me with Mary name. Mary Andrews. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's the actress's name? Do we need to go by that? No, we can just call her Mrs. Gross. That's, what, that's how the kids Mrs. refer Gross. to her. That's how we can refer to her. But she does have two H's in her name, whereas I only have one in mine. Yes. So you don't necessarily pronounce the second H, but I can kind of hear it in my head, baby. <laughs> for the characters, so with Flora, I, I think she's very interesting. I mean, both the kids have some weird aspects to them, but Flora has, I don't know if it's an obsession, but she really likes dolls and she has dolls that look similar to people. There's one that definitely looks like Owen in her dollhouse that she has, but she also makes these figures from sticks that are seemingly for the character's protection. Did you have thoughts about either one of those types of dolls? Well,
0: I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of, you know, that similar type of stick figures that Ethel was making to scare off the Gargoyle King, so there's that. Yeah, I do think they're, they're more for protection like totem type things. We see two of these in the episode, one by the lake, which is very clearly has something to do with the woman who died in the lake and then the other one is on the parapet, which makes me think it might be associated either with her parents or the man who we saw on the parapet, which we'll get to in a second. I have lots of thoughts on Flora. I will say bar none, she was the creepiest part of the episode. I know that Miles was a little bit more upfront creepy in that like the first real interaction we have with him is him being a creepy little peeping tom when danny is trying to change clothes what's danny's last name i missed it It was clayton. like miss clayton right Connolly was in my head i don't know why but yeah miss clayton who looks great with blonde hair by the way i don't know what her natural hair is but i wonder if this is a wig it's just so thick and like beautiful and billowing i want hair I don't like know. That. i would think it's her real hair i would think so but everything else i've seen this actress in she has more like the hair she had in haunting of hill house if we haven't mentioned already the same actress who played adult Nell the man we see on the parapet is definitely adult Luke and Henry is Henry is the young Hugh young Hugh Right. So Flora is a little weird about the pond or the lake. She says perfectly splendid a lot, like we said. The weirdest interaction I think with her is she gets upset about this hairpin that Miles gives to Danny. It had belonged to the previous governess who died. There's a scene where she's in the bathtub and she's talking about the hairpin and she sort of gets angry, like it doesn't belong to you. But she's kind of like looking past Danny, looks like looking at something else behind her, maybe in the mirror, maybe something else in the room. And then all of a sudden she sort of switches and it's like, like, oh, never mind. It doesn't matter. And it's not a drastic change. It's not like, oh, she was possessed and then she wasn't. But I definitely think there's something there. Yeah. Does she see the ghost of the previous governess? Something. I feel like there's some reason why she was at first put off by it.
1: Yeah, so I wasn't sure if it was the previous governess or if it's something where she's talking to a mom-like figure where adult Hugh was seeing Olivia talk to him. And so maybe that's one of her coping mechanisms. I would be somewhat surprised if we saw that happening, but I think it could happen. But there's definitely other times where she also says a question where it seems like someone else said something and she's then responding to them. So there's definitely something off about her. I would say that she is the one who is most connected to whatever the hauntings are.
0: Yeah, so far at least. And then Miles is more typically, he's kind of creepy a little bit. He does a couple things to potentially scare either Flora or Danny, none of which really work until we get to the closet situation.
1: He seems to be very manipulative. Yes. And conniving. But I'm I'm kind of curious, do you have a prediction of why he got kicked out of boarding school? Well, so he definitely gives
0: you like young Tom Riddle vibes, right? Of like being a, a very manipulative sort of creepy, like, oh, I think nighttime is the best time for games. Oh, I would never I never saw much point in playing tricks. I don't know. He's just a little bit weird, he kinda kinda monotone, soft spoken, but but a little bit eerie. I think he could be kicked out for could see him having done something that maybe wasn't bad enough to really garner attention widespread like I- I could have seen him potentially somehow resulting in harming another child even though it could have been something like bringing a snake into bring, <laughs> i was thinking putting a snake in their room is literally what i was thinking yeah. something like that where it was like less direct but like something that was or convincing a kid to do something dangerous that he did like plausible deniability something that was a little off somehow tormenting someone but doing it in sort of a sweet way where people don't catch on that's that's kind of the vibe i'm getting not something that's like oh whoa, he like pushed a kid off a bridge? Like, no, not like that. But like, oh, it's totally fine if you wanted to climb down this side of a whatever. Oh, I, I think you'll be, it's just a fun little outing. I don't know. Again, I got Tom Riddle in my head. So I'm just kind of yeah. going in that
1: vibe. Whatever connections we can make to Harry Potter, we're here for. So- <sighs> I am interested to know though, because I wonder if he was always this way, even with his parents, or this is a way of him dealing with the death of his parents, or in both of the children, we don't get them before their parents passed. It would be interesting if we could figure out when these kind of behaviors started. But back to Florida, right? She has all of these dolls, and there's one doll in particular that has long dark hair and is in a gray dress. And this doll has to go under the dresser. She's very particular about this. Flora also asked Danny not to leave her room at night, which is a connection sort of to haunting a Hill house, right? Things are worse at night, so you can't leave your room. You don't want to be on the grounds. Danny does end up doing a little exploring, making some tea. The next day, we see that Flora is cross with her because she doesn't want the lady at the lake to see Danny. And something that I'm curious about here is so we know that Miss Jessel, who is the previous governess, walked into the lake and died there, but do we think that she? She's the Lady of the Lake, because one of my predictions is also that maybe, maybe she's not the Lady of the Lake and there's another Lady of the Lake that was there that actually drove her to the lake. I certainly don't
0: think that her death is going to be a straightforward death. Based on this director and this uh, showrunner, <laughs> I think that there's going to be something more to it. I like that theory of something that maybe tempted her into the lake or pulled her in or like physically pulled her in or sort of mentally pulled her in. Not sure. There's also, which we get from Hannah later, is that there was a, a male, a male that there was a man who was, I guess, in some kind of relationship with Mrs. Jessel and that he then left her and also like stole a bunch of stuff or left with some money or something. And that that is what started to make Miss Jessel not herself anymore. Hannah says she had lost herself long before she ended up in the lake or something like that. So we know that Flora was the one who found Rebecca Jessel in the lake. I don't know. I definitely don't think it's going to be straightforward. My instinct is to immediately think that the man that Danny sees on the parapet is this same man who drove Miss Jessel into dying, potentially. Not exactly sure what his involvement is, but I think that that's possible. We don't get a whole lot from him yet, though.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. So from the promotions, right, the man on the parapet is played by Oliver Jackson Cohen, who played adult Luke in Hill House. Like you said, we don't see that much about him. But he was in the trailer a bit, like a lot more than we saw in this episode. And he's also in the center of the promotional picture that they had when you're in Netflix like home home screen. He's definitely going to be more, I I was surprised we didn't see more of him in this episode. And honestly, when I first watched it, I didn't even catch that he was the guy on the parapet. And so again, (laughs) I watched it the second time and I paid more attention. And so yeah, I'm curious to see more about this guy, but that would be interesting if he is the one, but he also looks like he is of higher status. So it doesn't make as much sense that he would need to steal things, but maybe it's not the same guy. Maybe there's more to his past that we don't know about.
0: Yeah, perhaps. So really the episode is just the first two nights that Danny is the new governess. She lectures the children a little bit, tries to get them to go to bed, goes and makes tea. And then the second night we see uh, there's a there's a weird scene where the two kids convince her to get something out of Flora's closet and then they shut the door and lock her in. And then we don't exactly know how long she's in there. It seems like a little while, long enough to really work up a panic and cry and be crumpled on the corner when the door eventually does open. And the kids say they're sorry and that they lost the key, even though the key was very clearly in the lock of the door. Why does a closet have a lock on it anyway?
1: I think this is just an older house. And so all of the doors, because even Danny's room, she locks it with the key yeah. from the inside. Right. So she definitely
0: has a panic attack when she's inside the closet. I don't know if this is a wider claustrophobia. I think my prediction is that whether it be literally a closet or just some other small space has something to do with her pre previous trauma, and that the kids, or potentially at least Miles, has some sort of paranormal knowledge of what would or would not scare her. Earlier in the episode, he brings a spider over to her, which she very bravely picks up and lets crawl all over her hand, and she says, I'm brave, and he says, I knew you wouldn't be frightened by it. And I think in the same way, I think he knows that she would have been frightened by being locked in the closet for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, so I watched this with Brian, and it seems like there's a shift when she kicks this doll, the particular doll that has to go under the dresser. His thought is actually that the kids were trying to protect her, that there was some force that she made angry by kicking this doll. A strange happening that I notice is that when she first walks into the room, we don't see the doll in the middle of the floor, but then as she walks away, right, it's in the middle of the carpet. And so, I don't know if they were trying to be nice. It seems like it was weird. It's hard to know if you believe them or not, but they said they were trying to unlock the door. When she first walked out, I was even sure if she had been in there the whole night like I thought maybe she was asleep right it was long enough for her to like you said be crumpled in the corner I don't know if she was calm or not to me I pictured it being more like 10-15
0: minutes kind of situation yeah. where she was in there for a, a while long enough to want to sit down but not long enough where it was like a yeah like the night passed I definitely think it has something to do with the doll I was actually thinking the opposite which was I thought the the real switch the moment when Miles came in and said can you get me this thing from the closet was when she picked up the doll and handed it to the girl and said here I can I you in the bed tonight I do think it has something to do with the doll whether the kids intentionally placed it there whether the doll itself moved whether it was made angry or the kids were made angry I definitely think there's something some kind of connection between lady in the lake doll kids where maybe the kids had a much like the girl did in the bathroom had a personality switch sort of of oh now we're upset at you I'm gonna lock you in the closet and then came to him we're like oh shoot what did we do how do we get her out there's definitely something there so then the strange happenings continue when she leaves the closet. She sees potentially muddy, potentially bloody, not really sure, dark footprints on the ground that are coming from the outside into the house, but she's following them the opposite direction. I I couldn't tell. Were the footprints upstairs heading into the old wing, I think? Maybe?
1: I'm not sure. They were heading away from the kid's bedroom, wherever they were. I don't know if that's the old wing. We need blueprints for these houses, man. Yes, we really do. And then the front doors are open, and so she walks
0: out into the front sort of drive leading up to the house, turns around, looks back, at the house and the kids are both in their own rooms, staring out at her which is a little eerie and that's where the episode ends yeah so who do you think whose footprints do you think it was
1: the lady of the lake okay well. or Jamie and she's just terribly disrespectful for the house so
0: another couple things and I and we didn't mention this earlier but the other main strange happening I have is the first night when she goes downstairs also water because the sink is dripping just pointing that out there tracking the water that we see there is something that's sort of taking up a third of the screen that we see from the perspective of if you're behind something. And at first I thought it was like a statue, but then it moves and it it looks like a jester, like a a guy, he's got a hat. It's sort of a hat or hood or something, but it's black, it's dark, leathery. Also kind of like the type of hood that like a executioner would wear is kind of what I'm picturing. Like just that kind of thing. But it it had like a big section coming out like a gesture. I don't know how to describe what I'm thinking, like a horn or something.
1: It almost to me looked like a long nose that you would see on a mask oh if it was like turned sideways and then turned I was picturing right the ear but yeah you're right it like, yeah. could be like a nose so whatever it is i assumed that it was a hooded figure again this was when i watched the second time it is very hard to figure out what it what we're looking at or if we're supposed to know or i think well i very, yeah i think we're not supposed to know because we're not given that much but it's something is there and something turns right and the the other thing that i had as a strange happening that's not completely ridiculous is people calling the house but then not speaking or not saying anything and they just wave it off as prank calls.
0: Yes. There's also that. And they don't go into the old wing, obviously. Which
1: is very Beauty and the Beast to me.
0: <laughs> yes. There's a little portion that's a little weird where the gardener, Jamie, comes in and Danny says, she didn't I- introduce her to me, but it feels as if we'd already met. Well, that's the narrator speaking. Yes. Hmm. She, talks, the narrator about, she saying... talks about
1: them in the third person.
0: Interesting. So do you think the narrator is a person who we're going to see at
1: some point or have already seen? I don't know. This Again, goes back to my theory of the speech giver being Owen because he talks about. He says there's enough time don't think and he there's looks enough, old enough wine. To be Owen. Well, it's only been twenty years, so he would be maybe in his fifties if he's in his thirties here. Which I think he could have been in his twenties, and then maybe he's in his forties. I think that's probably more likely. I guess that's possible. I'm just looking for someone who's also
0: maybe a little bit older around that age because the narrator looks like she could be fifties. Maybe she could be potentially older, but I think As she's, she's younger in her seventies. Really. Really? You think she's that old? I don't know. It's, it's The gray it's hair throws
1: me off. Well, yes, but the actress is, is so pretty that it's hard to tell. But she clearly has aged makeup on, too. Right. She clearly has aged makeup on. That's where I don't know if this, this is his story that he told to her. So maybe he does make it out alive in the end. Wait, who? Owen. Because my theory is that the, oh. the speech giver is Owen. And he told, maybe he told this woman the story. I don't think it is Owen. I think He's the accent British. wasn't right. Yeah, but
0: it just, I just don't know if it was him. Because I feel like if she... She is the one, is the person who's going to be telling this story. Why wouldn't he tell the story? Or why didn't he be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I just, it seems a little off to me, but we'll see. That was a lot of the first episode. Do you have any other similarities that you want to talk about to The Haunting of Hill House? I have one big one, which is they mention a couple times when describing the house, talking about it as if it's a living creature as well. They talk about the house yawning. They talk about the house. Inhaled. Inhaled.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely noticed that as well, right? So they personify by manner and Hill House was seen as eating or consuming the family. That was a big one. Did you have any others? That's the one I have so far. There's obviously
0: some visual similarities. I really do not like the entrance foyer with the dark double doors or or potentially just dark hallway leading off from it in the center. It just looks, it looks eerie. Not into that. I saw Parasite too many times. That, That kind of thing is just creepy to me. Night being worse. Obviously the actors talking to people who may or may not be there personality shifts. Those are some things I'm getting on so far, but it definitely feels lighter than Hill House did, at least in the beginning.
1: There are some connections that I made that, again, they may be very stretched, right? So in the beginning, the speech is the man's talking about love. And you mentioned to truly love someone is to accept the work of loving them is worth the pain of losing them. And maybe think of Hill House again, just because it was in the beginning and it was so top of mind, right? We learn about how deeply Hugh and Olivia love each other. So yeah, I don't know if that's too far far of a stretch, but that's just something I thought of. Henry, who is played by Young Hugh, or the actor who played Young Hugh, told Danny, don't call me unless it's an emergency. And in the first season of Hill House, we get the line with Nell, everything's an emergency. So it just made me think of that. Uh, Danny mentions that she's had trouble sleeping and Nell had sleep paralysis. Both of the house days are taking place over summer. That's another connection that we see. Mm -hmm. And then Flora was six when her parents died. It was two years ago and she's eight now, which is the same age as Luke and Nell were when their mom died. So the statues, we hear about a statue garden and maybe it's just that there's like a tall statue that's in the middle of the two gardens outside. So I don't know if we see it or not, but as you mentioned, there's a room in Hill House where there's statues and there's statues in the hallway. The only other prediction that I had is that I think there may be some connection with Flora and butterflies as well, because we see that she has a bunch of butterfly pictures on her wall in her bedroom. So I don't know if we're going to learn more about that. Maybe Flora's the one who gave her the butterfly clip in the first place or something. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Another good thing to
0: track. We can track deaths. While there weren't any deaths in this episode exactly, there were mentions of the children's parents, their mom and dad, and Rebecca Jessel, the old governess. We also know that that there have been four deaths that might have included these three or might be a different four that are the four candles that Miss Gross lights in the chapel that's outside of the house. And then we also know, just to keep this on the horizon, that Owen is taking care of his elderly and potentially ill mother is another thing that we noted.
1: What, to you, was the scariest part of the episode? So I have it as Danny in the closet. There's nothing that's overly scary. I guess the only other thing would be the thing in the hallway, but it's more eerie and creepy to me than full-on. scary but when she is panicked in the closet you get sort of that panic feeling as well
0: yeah i think for me just because of watching hill house and being more on edge i was the most on edge (laughs) weirdly when she was in the first hotel before she left i don't know why i thought something was going to jump out at her then it wasn't but that's still when i was on the most on edge the whole episode or when there was a sort of false jump scare where the tea kettle started hissing early on another through line is that she doesn't know how to make tea so there's that Mm-hmm. funniest part for me my favorite part was when miles is being all weird when flora shouts from the other room for miles to stop being weird you're always so weird that cracked me up because it was just like okay so they recognize it they're not acting like this kid is normal like he's being all weird the whole time so I thought that was funny and I also thought it was really funny when flora was like yes Hannah says these stairs are unforgiving to the knees
1: but I'm fine
0: <laughs> that was great
1: yeah she's definitely a character for sure I, I really enjoyed the interaction between Jamie and the kids when she talks about calling them gremlins and flicks a little bit of water on them. I thought that that was pretty lighthearted from this episode. So we've already gone over
0: most of the possible ghosts uh, or haunting figures. The black figure with the bright eyes. The lady in the lake. Potentially Mrs. Jessel or that is Mrs. Jessel. The man on the balcony or the parapet is the other one. And we went over all the strange happenings. So got anything else? First episode. Feeling good about it so far.
1: We're that it's going to get scarier. Yeah, I am itching to know what happens next. So do we want to talk about how we plan on releasing episodes for this? Yes. So for
0: this, just so that probably I know there's probably gonna be a lot of people who want to marathon this show. I know that Hannah is included in that number, probably. So, so far, we've only seen the first episode. But I think what we're probably going to end up doing is another at least three potentially more podcasts of lumping them into groups. What do we want to say for the next episode? Do we want to cover What? How many more?
1: I think we said we would cover two, three, and four because we figured it would pick up more in the end. So we would do one for episodes two, three, and four. And this series also only has nine episodes instead of 10. So that's why we're having an odd number. And then our third episode would have five and six, seven and eight for the fourth. And am I counting right? I think I wanted to separate out the finale just because a lot of times there's a lot more to talk about there. So we would do five and six, seven and eight, and then nine would have its own episode. So there would be four total. Two,
0: three, and four, and then five and six,
1: seven and eight, and the finale. There will be four more episodes
0: of this. But for the next one, watch episodes two, three, and four. That'll be what this will cover, which we'll call the like, I don't know what we're gonna call that. The 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 pre pre midpoint. I don't know. The first chunk. We're gonna cover the first chunk. <laughs> I don't know. We'll come up with a better thing. <laughs> all right, everyone. That's all for this episode. Feel free to send us comments and questions on our website, which is KowskiCast, Cat with a K, or on our Twitter, also KowskiCast. That's Cat with a K. You can also check out all of our other Podcast on the network. Haunting of Hill House, still being released. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen the show, sorry for the mild spoilers. Go watch it. Or if you've seen the show and you want to do a rewatch for Spooky Season and listen to the podcast, I watched it for the first time. You get to hear all my in time reactions. Twifight, Riverdale, maybe Revenge will start up again one day. Who knows? And probably more in the future. You can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform, and you can follow Hannah at hannahv.exe on Instagram. Hannah with one H, not like the character in the show.
1: And if you enjoyed this podcast, we would love it if you left a five-star rating in review. It's the best way for other people to find our show in the future. And if you leave us a five-star rating, we will read your comment on the podcast. Yes, we will. Awesome. All right, everyone. That's all. We'll be back
0: next time for our coverage of episode two, The Pupil, and episodes three and four, which I don't (laughs) want to look up the titles for because I don't want to spoil myself. That was the thing with Haunting of Hill House. All right. For now, we're the Kowski
1: cast. Thanks for listening. Bye. know about Blind Manor is that it is blatant. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ugh, this is going to be tough with the bees.